First John 1, beginning in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. How often, when you're frustrated, have you found yourself saying words like, today was one of those one step forward and two steps back kind of days? As I read these words in this passage, that seems to be the kind of battle that God is warning us about as we struggle to move out away from our old life of darkness into the light of God. And it's a struggle that is often so intense that we sometimes even begin to question if we are saved at all. And because of that, I do want us to go back and rehearse and remind ourselves of where we really are, how we got to where we are today in our salvation and especially about the part that we personally play within it all. Especially those very first moments when the blood of Christ is first applied to wash away our sins. And the truth is, our part in that particular transaction of salvation is really a relatively easy one. The real work is done by God the Father, God the Spirit, and the Lord Jesus. God the Father draws us to the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit works within us to convict us of sin and convince us that we are in need of a Savior. And then the Lord Jesus, having shed His blood and died on the cross, He applies His blood as payment for our debt of sin. And we're saved. We're saved. We ourselves, having done very little in that transaction, Our part in that whole process is simply to surrender ourselves over to the faith that God has put within us and to believe. A relatively minor requirement of us. And those are my thoughts often when I have heard a new believer giving their testimony about their experience of salvation. As they joyously describe how the Lord Jesus brought them out of the darkness of their sin into the light of God. I have rejoiced with them as they give their testimonies. But I've also come to know and to accept that their journey of salvation is not by any means over. Their part in that transition out from the darkness into the light of God really has just begun for them. Now it's true, yes, that real And lasting salvation has taken place within their hearts because salvation really does take place in only one moment. But the scriptures are very clear that there are other elements to salvation, ongoing elements, that each one of us must 
take part in throughout the remaining days of our life. With final salvation taking place only as we enter glory. It is a long and joyous, but also oftentimes difficult journey that each of us take. One of my favorite Bible teachers, R.C. Sproul, describes the journey of salvation in this way. He says to us, We never get past the gospel. What saved us in the past, when we were still in our sins, was the grace of God in the gospel. And nowhere is that more succinctly put than in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where we're told, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. And then Sproul goes on to say, But the New Testament also speaks about our salvation in the present and the ongoing tense. We are being saved. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Being saved. And then in Romans 9, God speaks of our salvation as being in the future. We shall be saved. This is Romans 5.9 Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Sproul goes on to say, There is only one salvation and only one way of salvation. What occurred in our past works itself out in the present and comes to fulfillment in the future. It is all part of one work, justification leading all the way to glorification. Let me say that again. There's only one salvation and only one way of salvation. What occurred in our past works itself out in the present and comes to fulfillment in the future. Romans 8, 30. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Those are precious words of assurance that the salvation that Christ first wrought within our souls will continue to be worked out all through the remaining days of our life. And regardless of all of the in-between struggles that we are reading about right here in our passage, God will complete the good work that He's begun in us. Unfortunately, though, that work does often turn out to have some very difficult trials within it. During our scriptures, we get that sense of, of, of that special struggle. You can hear the one step forward and two steps back kind of tug of war taking place right within these scriptures that we're studying here today. It's this transition out of the darkness into God's light. But it is one step forward and two steps back. Let me read these words again for us. And Do your best to listen to where you have the contrast of the struggles. This is a message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Did you take note of how God framed these words, these several verses? You have the desire of God for each of us and that is to come out of the darkness and join with Him in His light and become, the word is partakers, become partakers of the purity and the holiness of His divine light. And He expresses that in verses 5, 7, and 9. Let me read those again for you. Verse 5, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And if we walk in the light, verse 7, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. And then in verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But then, sandwiched in between these verses, and then right at the end, there are words to warn us about a contrasting sinful behavior on our part. And those are verses 6, 8, and 10. Listen to that. Verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Now I'm not sure all of what God is conveying to us in these words, but they do give us a picture of a struggle that takes place within our hearts and minds. Yes, in our testimonies, we often give this best-case scenario of our daily Christian life. But hidden within all of our glowing testimonies are evidences of real lingering struggles with the darkness. As we've been saying in the messages recently, this darkness that's spoken about here, it's very, very real. It is a spiritual darkness, but it's very, very real. Most people are not able to perceive that it's around them and in them, but it's very, very real. And especially up to the moment when we finally surrender our hearts to Christ, that darkness has very strong control over us, a hold upon our heart and our mind. And it actually has a legitimate claim to the territory of our soul. That's before we're saved. And that darkness is never simply static or inactive. Just as God's light has His divine nature within it, so also this darkness has an evil nature within it. And that darkness is not about to give up its evil ownership over a person's soul without a fight. Remember what we have said in earlier messages that sin is its foundation. Sin is the foundation of this darkness. And this sinful nature has a predatory way about it. A nature that pursues after us and is ever reaching into and invading and dominating and controlling everything that takes place within our heart and and soul. The way we think, the things we say and the things we do. It's a predator. Just as God 
told Cain all the way back in Genesis. He says that sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, to control you. That's what God's talking about here in this darkness. And this darkness not only attaches itself to the things around us and the people around us, it attaches itself to any remnants of our old sin nature that want to rear their heads. In our salvation, our sin nature did lose all of its control over us. Romans 6 tells us that. So it no longer has real control over us, but that doesn't keep our old sin nature from rearing its ugly head and and trying to reach back in and make claims over our habits and our behaviors. That's one of our most vulnerable areas because many of our old habits were comfortable to us. That's why we had them as habits. They were comfortable and pleasing to us. That broad path that we walked on has answers that that are comfortable to us. Thankfully, God's Holy Spirit is ever-present to warn us away from stepping back into that broad path and, and to guide us back to the narrow path. But there's still a rub. That darkness that fills that broad path, it really does cover over our eyes quite often, blinding us to the righteousness that God's Spirit desires us to follow. And so then as we stumble and we fall back into some of our old ways, we not only have those sins, whatever those sins are that corrupt us, according to these words that he's giving here, there's another sin that's been added. One of the first responses to our failures is to try to cover up and to protect ourselves when we have fallen back into the darkness. One of the handiest defenses that he speaks about here is that we quickly come up with some sort of a lie. Some sort of a lie to justify what we've done. Adding sin on top of sin. Listen to these words. Verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Someone comes up to us and they know there's something going wrong in our life. And they say, how are you doing? I'm concerned about you. And you say, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. No, nothing's going wrong. We lie and do not practice the truth. We make an excuse. We blame it on someone else. Well, I'm just having trouble with so-and-so. My wife, my husband, my children, my boss. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I haven't done anything wrong. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make Him, that's God, and His Word, make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. The warning here in verse 10 is critical. Because when we tell a lie, this new sin that we've added to the old sins that we fell back into, when we tell a lie, we're not just lying to a person, to our neighbor, to our family member. Now we may think that that's what we've done. But that's not so. According to these words, and also the words that are in Psalm 51, we are actually lying to God. Psalm 51, verse 4, Against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. 
I'm also reminded of the time when the apostle Peter called Ananias and Sapphira to come to him and explain why they had held back money that was dedicated to the Lord. Peter said to Ananias, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? To lie to the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, every sin, whether we're lying or whatever kind of sin, it is against God. Why is that so? It is because He is the lawgiver. He is the one that made that law. Therefore, He is the one whom we sin against. And again, telling a lie is most often simply compounding other sins that have already been committed. We do some corrupt and sinful things, and then we lie to cover it up. And it is a common behavior of a person, especially who's not willing to come all the way out of that darkness. You're reminded of Lot's wife who is escaping from the darkness there in in Sodom and Gomorrah. But she wants to turn around and hang on to a little bit of it. That seems to be what's taking place there in, in this particular set of verses. It's this common behavior. We're not willing to come all the way out of the darkness. We want to keep one foot in that darkness and one foot in the light. And then we lie about it. We lie about it. And lying, listen, lying just doesn't seem to most of us to be a very big sin. Lying just doesn't seem to be a very big, important, consequential kind of sin. But it is. It really is. It's very important to God. Very important to God. And if we'll only search these scriptures, we'll find that God holds lying to be on the same level as murder. On the same level as murder and other kinds of moral sins. Listen to these words in Revelation 21.8. This is what takes place on the day of judgment. God says in Revelation 21.8, But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and abominable and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's very serious. And God is faithful to warn us that it is a very serious thing when we lie. Unfortunately, while we remain on this earth, there will always be that constant tug of war for our souls. That one step forward and two steps back. The darkness ever raging, pulling and drawing us back into that darkness and into our old dark ways. And we lie to ourselves and to others loudly during those episodes. Trying to cover our sin, hide it, declaring that we're innocent or someone else is guilty. But folks, that simply is not so in God's sight. Each one of us is held personally accountable for the sins that we get involved in. The battle for our soul that's taking place, that's being reflected within these words here, reminds me of that battle that the Apostle Paul 
spoke of in Romans chapter 7. And it takes place in every Christian heart at one time or another, or maybe quite often. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul cries out, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. He's frustrated. And what is the answer to his frustration? In verse 24, he cries out, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he answers himself. The Holy Spirit answers him. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In these words, we're given the only answer that will ever really work out for us. And that answer is not telling a lie, trying to lie our way out of a problem. It is instead to turn our hearts back to Christ for His forgiveness and His cleansing from our sins. And that's what God is saying here in verse 9 of our passage. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's an expression that's used. At some point you need to cut your losses. To stand there and lie and to try to act like nothing's going wrong, that you're not doing anything wrong, that you're all right. There's a point in time when God's saying, you've got to cut your losses and just stop. Confess your sin. And if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And listen, it goes beyond that. He says, I will forgive you for what you've done, but I'll also cleanse you from the unrighteousness that caused you to do it the first time so that you will not do it again. I'm reminded of an old adage that comes from these scriptures that confession is good for the soul. Sinning and then lying about it actually leaves that sin in place and it foments within us and it continues to corrupt our soul. But repentance and confession, they have a way of cleansing all of that sin away. Every vestige of sin. Praise be to God for that. And that's the only way that verse 7 then of our passage can become a, a joyous reality in our daily life. I'll read these and then we'll close. He says, walk in the light as He is in the light. And we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Let's pray.